says you can't have it all? My next guest will be talking about how she makes this crazy life work with supporting her husband's coaching career, being a mom to three beautiful children, and if that wasn't enough, she's launching a children's clothing line. Morgan Morris is the wife to Tim Morris, assistant coach at the University of Utah men's basketball program. She also was in the industry herself. She'll be talking us through the ups and downs of it all. Okay, and we're back for another episode of For the Love of the Game. On today's episode, I have Morgan Morris. Uh, Morgan, you want to say hello? Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Um, Morgan's husband is a um, assistant coach at Utah. That's correct, right, Morgan? Yes, University of Utah. Awesome. And um, Morgan is actually pretty connected in the sports industry, um, was a college athlete, um, got a degree in sports management. And Morgan, I know that you kind of know the industry in a different way, having that sports management background. Do you kind of want to talk about, um, I just realized I'm just like diving into this right now. So by the way, I'm just going to start diving in. That's perfect. No, that's good. Awesome. So yeah. Um, do you want to talk about like kind of um, the fact that you were a college athlete and then just kind of your transition from that to the sports world and kind of how that happened? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, like you said, I was a a student athlete. I'm originally from Jersey. I went to University of Alabama um, in Tuscaloosa on a full athletic scholarship from Jersey all the way down south Alabama had a great four-year career, and then um, got my undergrad in psychology. Um, I had plans on going to PA school, actually. So I'd done oh. um, a psychology degree and all of my electives. I did as those kind of um, major sciences. It was, you know, given my gymnastics schedule a little tough to go all in on like a biology or chemistry degree or something like that, but um, was mm-hmm. able to kind of complete all my necessary courses through elective work and um, got to the end of my career and decided like, I'm not sure if I really want to go to PA school. I was kind of burned (laughs) out from, um, you know, I was, I was a little burned out from being a student athlete, you know, for four years, which it was, it's a lot on you, you know? And so I was like, do I really want to take out loans and spend all this money and be back in intensive school and training? I think, um, I think, the medical industry had, I just grew up around it. My father's a dentist and my mom worked in hospital administration. So I think it was just kind of like an easy career thing, career choice. When mm. I went in as a freshman, you know, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing at 18. I was just like, yeah, I think I want to go to med school or PA school. But Makes obviously sense. by the time I, <laughs> by the time I, uh, you know, graduated um, at 21 and had, had a little life experience under my belt. I was like, do I really want to do this? So anyway, um, I, my coach uh, presented me with the opportunity to go to grad school for a year. And I went on a, you know, women's minority scholarship. So that was fully paid for as well. Um, cool. And I got that in sport management. And that kind of led into my career in athletics administration. So I started out working at Alabama in the I guess it's called Life Skills and Development now. I went and worked at the University of Central Florida as the director of operations for the athletics director. And so I did that, Mm -hmm. lived in Orlando for about two, two and a half years. I feel like it's all running together now. It was was, (laughs) was a little over two years. And then um, spent some time at Oregon State. My boss that I was working for at UCF got the... um, athletic director job at Oregon State and I went as his chief of staff spent a little time there and then uh transitioned to be my husband um because this whole time we were doing the long distance thing while he was kind of carving out his basketball coaching path um at that point he was at University of Nevada in Reno and so I moved from Corvallis to Reno to be with him and that's when I got into development inside of that we were there for one season and then um, he got a assistant job at NKU Northern Kentucky and so at that time um, I was you know like I said in, in fundraising so I was able to get on 
with the fundraising team in athletics at the University of Cincinnati. And so uh, was on their fundraising team in athletics for three years, you know, fundraising for student athlete scholarship, capital projects, and other, you know, special kind of one-off needs. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, during that time, we, through all that, got married, had twins, <laughs> had a couple winning seasons, and it was, it was fun. And now, now we're out here at the University of Utah and just finished our first season. So um, yeah, that, that's like a little backstory on me and kind of, um, you know, a little unique experience within athletics outside of just being a coach's wife. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. And you know, like you said, you were able to experience, you know, some, some good times with, you know, the universities that you're at. So that's super cool. Um, and also, I don't know how you're able to do long distance for as long as you did. Like sports is like nonstop, like no matter like what, whether you're a coach, whether you're, you know, in the office, like how, like, were you guys able to see each other? Like, how did, how did that work? So we committed to, so we, um actually so we met at Alabama he he Tim is four years older than I am so he I did not know him we were not um in college together he actually played his basketball career at Stanford and Washington out here in the Pac-12 and then um I guess it was Pac-10 at the time and then he had gone to Germany to play overseas and then when we met we were um in Tuscaloosa and we're in Tuscaloosa together for about a year and a half before I got my job offer to go to UCF we were seriously dating and we were talking about the future and stuff. And so he was like, Oh, that's a great opportunity. Like you should go. And me being my immature self was like, well, I thought we were getting married. Like, why are you telling me to go? Now we're going to break <laughs> up. Like, this is not going to work. You know, long distance never works for anybody. What are we doing here? So anyway, <laughs> he had already was like looking for a ring and planning on buying one. And oh. in Orlando, but he, he already had that up his sleeve, but he really was like, you know, you need to do this for your own personal development, which was, you know, me being in my head at the time was thinking selfishly, like you are trying to break up with me the easy way or something like that. But really he was like, oh yeah, no, like, great for your I career. Would... <laughs> I would not been okay with that either. I like, like I, I totally wouldn't have understood that either. I would have been like, wait yeah. a minute. Like I'm not taking the job. What are you talking about? Right. I'm like pushing me to take this job, but it, it was, you know, the greatest thing. I'm so glad I went and, um, that we still ended up obviously together anyway. Yeah. But, um, we, when we moved, we had committed to see each other every month. So we, we, the okay. longest I think we went was maybe five weeks, but either oh, I would go back to good. Alabama or he would um, come to Florida. And so we saw each other and had our flights booked out and, and planned it to where we would not go longer or too much longer than a month um, seeing each other. So that was helpful. Um, and Ooh. it really, you know, we got a full download in communication for sure. <laughs> I will oh, say yeah. that's one good thing that came out of it is that, you know, it's easy to, when you're together to kind of walk away or table conversations or whatever, like being long distance really forced us to um, talk about any and everything, whether it was happy, whether it made you feel good, whether, you know, somebody went to bed upset, something mm. you know, we just, we had to, that was our main mode of communication. And especially when we both were working in athletics. So mm-hmm. we were really trying to piecemeal different chunks of time that we could talk together. And so it's like, if we weren't getting deep when we could, you know, what are we really building this relationship on? And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of it, um, it sounds backwards. And I will say like that year and a half, we did get to know each other as people. So it's not like we started off long distance, which yeah, can't say we would have lasted if that was the case. <laughs> it would have been harder. Okay, that would have been a lot harder. Exactly. A lot harder. <laughs> You know, I have friends that have done that too, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we had that foundation of being in Tuscaloosa together for a year and a half. We saw each other mm-hmm. you know, every month at least. And then obviously spoke every day when we could, you know, how it is in this industry. Um, yeah. what it was for us was we were both just committed to each other and committed to making sure that we made that time for one another. That's awesome. I, I applaud you because when I think probably the longest I've been away from Mikhail was during COVID during the tournament because Tim was at Cincinnati right then, right? COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever it was tournament time, it, they were in bubbles. And so I think that actually might've been the longest. Oh, that's, yeah. You remember? 
about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and at that time, I just had a baby in December, and so I had like a three month old and a year. How old was MJ? He was he was little. I'll just say that. So, and I was yeah. I don't know how you would be able to live that far away from your person and only see him every month. So that like that's applause to y'all for making it work. <laughs> well I mean thank you I feel like it's all relative though like I we did not have kids so I think that weren't we didn't really have problems or anything back then you know nothing to really shake things up you know it was growing yeah growing closer and um getting getting to know one another you still have to be committed to it um and yeah for sure you know, tried to do little special things with one another like went to when I was working at UCF we um I went to Ireland for work and um, cause UCF played Penn state over in Ireland for football. And so I was there oh, for okay. like a week and I remember he sent like champagne and chocolate to my room and, you know, just Aww. little things like that. I was just like, you know, I'm halfway across the world and you're still doing little sweet things like that. So yeah, being intentional. And I think that's kind of probably, um, anyone in a relationship or serious relationship just stay committed and most of the time things things will figure themselves out yeah I mean wow all right Tim that that's awesome because <laughs> yeah Mikhail I has think been... he's pretty good with he, he's got me quite a few times he totally got me when we got engaged and I was like oh that is so sweet that well I feel like you know every and I'm not knocking Mikhail on this. Everybody has their their thing, you know, and especially when, you know, you have to spend time apart like that. I feel like that's when it means the most like, oh, they were still thinking about me. And even though they're super busy, like, yeah, like he was able to do something special for you and make you feel special. So that's super cool. Yeah, it was it's it's been fun. And he we still try to where we can. Obviously, it's a a lot different he's doing way more I'm doing you know we've got the kids they take up so much time and energy Uh I'm sure (laughs) and it's just I think it's just adapting with each chapter two of your relationship you know like yeah it looked that way when we were just the two of us and young and love and and now you know special moments look different sometimes it's like sitting in bed while he's watching a film and that's like the quiet time that we have together to have like a somewhat deep conversation you know or mm-hmm. you know or just kind of sitting together and just having that alone time that we would not normally get without being you know sucked dry by our kids love them <laughs> to death but dear god they take up so much energy. oh my gosh do they love their sweet faces but that's totally true like I I I feel like when we didn't have kids I'm like, why did we ever think that we were busy or made excuses for why we didn't like go on dates more or, you know, just little things. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you just, like you said, it's you, your stage of life, you know, and you make it work for what, what you have in front of you. Like it just is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how you asked how we, how we made it work. That's, how we made it work. I mean, we were long distance for, I guess, by the time I moved to Nevada, it was probably close to two and a half years. So good chunk of time. Wow. That uh, is, that is a good chunk of time. Golly. But, but I mean, it was pretty seamless when we, I think all of that work that we had put in together while we were long distance, I think, you know, one might question like, well, did you have to like get to know each other again and being together and living together? And, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't I mean it was like obviously we were sharing the same space which we hadn't done for a while for you know significant time on end day to day yeah Um, but as far as you know the communication piece and just like our dynamic Mm -hmm. that was that was a seamless and it honestly made being together again that much sweeter that's good I mean and I'm sure that time apart and then when you came back together like you said you value it more but as you face things in life you know moving forward you know you have that that backbone of your relationship that you spent time working on and you know I'm sure you guys had to have like very mindful um 
you know, you had to be mindful about like the time that you spent together. And like you said, you know, just making sure that you're, you're growing your relationship and those skills that you guys learned then I'm sure are what you have to use on a day to day when you're dealing with more difficult things in the relationship, you know, as you, as you grow. Right. No, that's for sure. I think, um, you know, like your toolbox of fundamentals is what you build. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely what we fall back on for sure. When we, um, get into those moments where we've got to work to get, get things back on track or something like that. And obviously have great, um, wise counsel in our corner as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, other coaching couples or just some, um, you know, friends that have this journey, um, that we can rely on to kind of help keep each other in check and keep us on track and make sure that we're still doing committed to doing at the beginning. Um, for each other and for our family. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that is definitely something that is a must, you know, just having a support system, not, you know, not just your family, but outside of that too. And, you know, being able to, to um, lean on them as you need them and um, completely agree with that for sure. Um, But with that being said, like, you know, as you navigate, like all the things that this life throws at you with your family and stuff like and especially being someone that knows and understands the industry like how did you feel um when because you met you met Tim when he was in coaching all right already correct you said he was a grad assistant yes like he had just started um he was actually going through the process of getting his doctorate and so he Mm. was assistant um you know for the basketball team because obviously you know they that's their uh I guess like their first level their compensation <laughs> well like that but their compensation like gratis is oh yeah yeah pay for his like doctor's doctoral studies um so Tim actually was already so when we met I guess he was already yeah he was already coaching he he had already um he was on his second stint as a GA. So he came back mm. with these. He did it. He G Bama. And then at that mm-hmm. point I was already like, I was still a student athlete. Like I didn't know him. We did not know each other until the second time he came back. So he was a GA. Oh. At a I was still on the gymnastics team. Dude. Like we just, we didn't even cross paths. I didn't even know him. Then he left and state for a couple years. And okay. then that staff got fired and I think he kind of you know how it goes you just kind of like sometimes yeah. like you go volunteer or you take a year off or you take a step down and what he did was he yeah. went back to um you know he had already gotten his master's and he uh had an opportunity to GA again at Alabama and so he um started his doctoral studies and uh did that and so that's when that's when we met Oh, okay. That makes sense. So how, like, how did you, I mean, I guess you probably didn't know like the details of like what it would mean, like dating him and then like becoming serious with him and then, um, you know, ultimately marrying him. But like when you did kind of get a little bit of insight as to, you know, what his day to day was and how the season worked and all that stuff, like to the point of, oh, this could be my life. Like, how did that, how did you feel about that? Especially being in the industry already yourself? Yeah, I think, so when we first started dating and he was, you know, a GA, obviously the GA role is like being least demanding of, yeah. The, yeah. of the hierarchy. <laughs> when it comes Yeah, to that's like a good way to put it. You know, as far as like your time commitment, you're not on the road. You don't have to, you know, um, your role in a game day situation may be different. Now that's not to say everybody contributes to the team effort because I absolutely know they do, but yeah. in the real sense of things, he was still always in Alabama with me, you know, like it's not yeah. like um, I was at like gap of time spent together. Mm-hmm. And so when he started talking about it, like, I think I knew like, this is a lot, but I think I really leaned on my experience as a student athlete, knowing the type of, if you want to be great at anything, you're going to have to put the time in, you're going to have to put the work in, you're going to have to sacrifice mm-hmm. and, and and commit to what it is that your goal is. And he's always wanted to yeah. be in coaching. 
and he knew like at some point he wanted to be a head coach so this is what you know you, you got to start somewhere and it's not like with coaching it's not like being a student athlete like you're at the top of your game when you're a student athlete but it took so much work and it's the same yeah. way with coaching you know you don't just move over into coaching and you're you're at the top of your game like you kind of got to start over and so I understood that we had mm-hmm. those conversations and I knew what I was getting into and um I was okay with it oh my goodness my son you're gonna have to edit this you're like, fine <laughs> are you going to bed no, I'm, on the couch. I'm on the phone <laughs> I'm on the phone but I love you I'm so sorry no you're fine um okay so yeah so when I um I don't think and even now I I can I think I still I still get it it's hard but Mm -hmm. I think it took each each step of his growth for me to like to see how it impacted us I would say um I think the moment that I really saw how hard it can be to be a coach's wife was when I had the twins they were born in June, but they were also very early. They were born at 29 weeks. So we were in the NICU right away and they spent almost two months there, but June and July are heavy recruiting months. And so the majority of the time that they were in the NICU, I was holding it down by myself in the hospital. So not only am I trying to navigate Mm -hmm. motherhood, I'm trying to make sure my babies are okay. I'm trying to like, you know, fight for, I I don't want to say fight for lives because they were going to be okay but it was just yeah it it wasn't like a okay we just got to get them some you know some milk and help them grow like they were yeah episodes um Mm -hmm. obviously modern medicine is an incredible thing and um the nursing staff was amazing but I was doing that whole thing by myself now when he was in town he was in town and was at the bedside but those you know four and five night recruiting trips where he was gone I mean my routine every day was I'd wake up go to the hospital spend time with them FaceTime in the morning and then I would go home and then I'd go home and same thing all over again and they actually were in wow. um, the NICU when I realized okay this is they're going to be here a minute I actually basically they let me come back to work and then let me go back to take my the rest of my maternity leave when the twins were discharged so, um, oh, that's that was, nice of them. It was, it was really nice that that, um, they were able to, they, that they were flexible with me in that way because, um, it was hard because, it, you know, I, if I did have to stay home, I would have only gotten about five weeks with them at home. And so Aww. it was, it was, it was great that I was able to do that. But I say all that to say that's when I realized, okay these kids are here. This isn't changing. And this is just the beginning. And, you know, I'm already yeah. by myself. And so, um, that's when I think it really was like, wow, um, this, I can see where the hard days come from in this business. Yeah. And so yeah. before that, and I think I still at, at the core, I totally understand again, the dedication and the commitment that it takes to be the greatest possible, you know, being at your craft but you know the the work that is um expected and simply just you know that we have to do to keep the household going when you do family and and you know commit to a coach it's not easy yeah (laughs) you can say that again (laughs) yeah yeah that sounds tough I mean i didn't have that kind of wake up call because, you know, I didn't have to sit in the NICU with my kids, but I can't even imagine like doing that without your spouse, you know, like that sounds like so, so difficult, but I'm sure, you know, once they were big enough to come out and, you know, you were doing this mommy thing, first off, you had freaking twins. So that's amazing. Um, But you're having to figure that out while, raising two babies like you know like he's gonna still even even you know after recruiting season is done like they go on you know away trips and you know when it's March Madness you know they'll be they'll be gone then so that's that's another piece so not only is like that it's gonna keep happening you know (laughs) yeah it just truly never stops it never stops and I mean they you know like everybody I think as long as you do what's best for you, you know, 
everybody makes choices that are best for their family. And what worked best for us is when he was at home, you know, <laughs> he was, he would, I think it was hard to deny the, you know, we had, when, when they woke up in the middle of the night, he was on daddy duty too. It was not, you know, not use the, I don't have a boob to breastfeed or anything like that. You know, like I was, yeah, yeah breast milk and that's what we will use. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was definitely very present there, but I think the, that's good of his job is the fact that like there were times that took him away and that I would have to do nights mm-hmm. by myself and, and yeah. get through it. Um, and then I, I would say, even though, um, my maternity was exhausting. Going back to work was a harder transition for me, kind of doing those nights and stuff by myself. And, um, yeah. but again, I don't want to like, you know, knock Tim or anything. Cause he was incredible when he, like when he was present, he was available, he was there and he held it down and did what he could to, you know, help yeah. be a dad, you know, it shouldn't be a, yeah. a, you know, babysitting duty or anything like he was, he was present and, and did what he could, but sometimes doesn't stop and just takes you away in some hard times mm-hmm. we just have to figure that out yeah I mean you're not lying <laughs> I mean just because you know you're having a hard day doesn't mean like oh yeah I don't have to go to this away trip like let me just you know pick the kids up instead of you sweetie <laughs> you know go get your nails done or something like it it keeps going so you're not lying about that <laughs> yeah. but yeah it is I mean it's you definitely, like you said, have to make it work for your family. And, you know, y'all clearly have been able to make it work because you had another baby, right? How old is your youngest? <laughs> yeah, another one. Um, <laughs> she is going to be one in two weeks. So, oh, yeah, the twins special. are five and she's about to be one. So, oh. yeah, she is the sweetest little thing. And she was full term and healthy and she checks out on all her well checks and she's just happy and she's not refluxy and she barely cries. Like she only cries when she's hungry or wet or, you know, like, I'm like, I can do this. Okay. Well, now I see why people (laughs) like having kids. Lord knows. I was like, man, I'm done after this. Yeah. That's a lot. I'm surprised that you guys like, were like, okay, yeah, let's do this again. You know, like some people I'm, I know, for a fact that it that have their husband there you know at the end of the day every day wouldn't be able to do it so that's applause to y'all on that for sure <laughs> I was definitely I mean I I always wanted um I said four kids and Tim was like good with three I'm not getting it younger, so if I am gonna have kids I need to like do it <laughs> at least yeah like it has to happen I, yeah personally is this um you know, we went ahead and, and had Torin and thankfully she was just one baby, which was nice. Cause you know, the twins were natural. <laughs> we were very worried about them being, you know, having a second set of twins, but she was just one wow. and full term and yeah, she's been a compliment to our family. That's so awesome. Can you imagine? Super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We are a wild bunch over here, but we try to have fun. Yeah. It looks like you do. I mean, you have a pretty cool job. Like, not only are you, I mean, you did step away from um, the sports world, like actually working in it yourself. But like, do you want to talk about kind of what you do now and how like you are not just a, a coach's wife and a mama? You have a great career for you, yourself now, like that you've transitioned into. Yeah. So I um earlier I was a college gymnast and so I've always had a network in the college gymnastics space especially I mean it's it's um community and a tight first got out of college I started for this lead company as a sales rep in the southeast kind of just selling this this company the particular company I work for um got their I guess I guess introduced themselves to the gymnastics market by doing practice mm-hmm. wear. So they had um, tagless Leos. That was like the big thing, like, you oh, know, okay. not having a tag scratch you in the back of your Leo. So we did like basically an iron on tag and it was a big mm. thing that kind of, um, obviously now, you know, over 10 years later, we have um, tons of resources to be able to do the the big competitive wear that you see 
that's what I was doing when I got out of college. I was just a uh, collegiate athletics thing too, full time. But you know, who doesn't like to make a little Mm -hmm. extra money on the side? So that's what I did. It was (laughs) easy for me, easy, easy, you know, kind of passive income that I could make. So then when I transitioned out of athletic, uh, out of, you know, college athletics a few years ago, I kind of made the gymnastics leotard stuff more full-time. And so now mm-hmm. I design leotards for NCAA programs. And so I had already kind of started doing that, but again, part-time like several years ago, just where I could, um, that was kind of my territory was the NCAA market. But again, mm-hmm. it wasn't um, until out of college athletics, I had the time to commit to kind of really growing that footprint in the collegiate space. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do now. And so Ozone has a, you know, a collegiate gymnastics market that I work with. And that is the territory that I just run and go with. And so um, work with a lot of big programs out of the SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12. So a, a good chunk of Leo on you know Friday night heights and you know because gymnastics is on Fridays so you'll see SEC has a the SEC ESPN partnership you got Big Ten Network Pac-12 Network a lot of those Leos that you see um, on those networks uh, I've had a hand in creating so that's really fun that is so cool like I like I can't even I feel like you're like a superstar in my eyes like that's so cool (laughs) oh you're stop stop no it's just it's it's really fun and I've had gymnastics is like basketball in the sense of like uh, the turnover, the college coaching turnover is not mm-hmm. nearly as high as it is in basketball. Um, so That's a nice. lot of I was, you know, was competing with are either head coaches now or still assistants like working their way up. And there's mm-hmm. still, you know, uh, again, like there's only, there's over 300, close to 400 NCAA basketball programs across D one, two, three. I think mm-hmm. in gymnastics, it's like under a hundred. I think it's like, 90%. Oh, really? Yes. So it's a wow. very, very small group of colleges and universities that carry the sport, um, you know, fully funded program. And wow. yeah, so it, it's, it's a small network. It's a small community, community and growing up as a gymnast and having, you know, I went, Alabama but as you're competing you get to know other girls a lot of the girls that I was competing with are now coaching so um, not mm-hmm. just at Alabama but just across you know that that era that I was competing from you know, mm-hmm. 2010 they're coaching now so I know that so yeah I have the opportunity to work with a lot of people that I know competed with them or competed against them and they're at different programs a lot of them are um, current coaches. And so that, um, you know, helps open up my network for leotard design. And then obviously just like any other, you know, word of mouth or seeing kind of the work we do other schools that I may not have a personal relationship will reach out just through someone I know, or, um, just seeing, you know, what we put out on the floor and reach Mm -hmm. out and work together. So that's another Hmm. way I've kind of grown. Um, and then I'm also, working on launching a baby and kids apparel brand named Scribble. And so that was inspired by the twins, but it's a unisex lifestyle brand that is kind of playful and fun and a little bit different in the sense of it's not your gender neutral type of line. That's very monochromatic with your, you know, blacks and creams and tans and, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that lots of color and print and, um, you know, boldness and, uh, just life will be a part of this brand. And so the patterns, I guess, silhouettes are unisex, um, but definitely bring in, bringing in a lot of color and, um, print through the graphic designs that I've created. And so that's special to me. Like I said, when I had the twins, they were, and I really, them, I really realized how gender specific and I didn't love that because mm-hmm. I was looking for a neutral wardrobe that I could share between the two of them. But it also made me realize mm. how um, how much we place labels on children, like as early as like newborn with the onesies that say like mommy's daddy's little princess and mommy's little football player mm-hmm. like that, where it's just like, yeah. why, why does it have to be that way? You know, like 
Let's yeah. just let kids be kids. If, you know, if I have a daughter and she's interested in construction or dinosaurs or whatever, that should be. Yeah. You know, it, it, it shouldn't just be um, one way or the other. And so I just really wanted to create something that helps that lets, you know, kids feel that speaks to kids, you know, they'll get excited. Mm-hmm. What I found with the twins was they were always drawn to like bright, bold colors and prints and graphics and stuff that were just fun and just really spoke to the, the chaos and fun of life and childhood and, <laughs> and what that looks like to them. And so I really yeah. want this clothing line to like really empower children, um, help them, you know, feel free to express themselves through the clothes they wear. That's super cool and such a good idea. And I guess if you don't have like two kids necessarily that are like different, but the same, I feel like it may not necessarily be something that you think about. But like, I definitely having three boys myself, like, I struggle with finding things that like, are different, you know, like, for example, like I love Target when I go to Target, I see only a couple of options for boys and like, 12,000 options for girls and it's like well why can't my little boy have that many options you know like he likes you know different all different types of things you know and like you know as kids are like their moods are up they're down they're sideways they're this way like you know their their clothes can (laughs) their clothes like kind of especially when they get old enough to like pick their clothes oh gosh that's like a huge thing and I feel like that yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that sounds like a really good opportunity for them to like be able to be themselves and not just like, you know, what they're playing and stuff, but like how they're dressing and, you know, everything that sounds super cool. Yeah. You know, raising children and just like the and how childhood is, I think that really speaks to mm-hmm. scribble is kind of complex in the name and that the graphic prints have like a scribbled texture. So it's messy. And I think that's how. Yeah you know, life really is when you look at the reality of it. And I think breaking down those stereotypes around what a boy is supposed to be or what a girl is supposed to be and what we're supposed to look like and what motherhood looks like. And it's like, no, like this stuff is a mess. This is a whole entire mess. No one knows what we're doing. We're all just figuring it out. And, you know, we, we talk about kind of where we want to be as a society and where, we need to be more kind and, you know, um, all the things that we want for this world to be a better place. And I know it sounds cliche, but I really do believe the children are the future and like, that's where the work needs to be put in. And so the brand identity of Scribble really speaks to the creative freedom and the self-expression and just the confidence and stuff that I want to I want kids to have to feel like they can think for themselves and they can go against the grain if they want to and just really be who they are and feel like no matter what their interests are, no matter what they want to pursue, that we just adopt this mindset as parents to nurture and like love the talents and interests that they have and meet them where they are. And I think that is really going to develop and raise more um, self-aware, more, you know, kids that have a wider perspective and most importantly can think for themselves. I think that's such an underestimated, mm-hmm. you know, skill that yeah. people don't have and more of us need to have. And, you know, I, I don't want to come off as sounding like I know it all because I don't know it all, but <laughs> I think we can work together you know, kids, let them lead the way sometimes, let them teach us some things and not always yeah. put our own, you know, adult ideals on them. Let them help, you know, lead the way and create, you know, um, help them create this journey of life that we're all going through together. And so that's really kind of like the brand identity of Scribble, but the basis of it is, you know, unisex kind of lifestyle clothing. I love that. I love that. And I, I completely agree with you because Like, sometimes I'm like, I feel like my child led me today, like, (laughs) he knew more than I knew, or like, he was able to help me understand not just him as a person, but like, how, how I need to be as a mother as a person, you know, just as in general, because kids 
just know the basics of stuff. And I feel like we overcomplicate things and overthink things. And, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you want to, you know, harness what, who they are as people, because I feel like a, a, our generation and our parents' generation were like shaped to be in, to fit this mold. And not everybody fits that mold. And it's okay if you don't fit that mold. And what if we make a new mold that, you know, if other people want to be that way that they can. And I feel like that's like a super important thing as like they're growing and developing. And that's sounds like something that it is encouraged from, you know, what you're trying to do. So I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, no, I think, and I love that you shared that about kind of like what happened today with your son and just kind of it being one of those days and you being okay with that and resting in that <laughs> and knowing that like, this is what it is. And I think where we, yeah, like, no, I'm the, I'm the uh, adult, I'm the parent here. You do what I say. I think that's where we, we go wrong. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think this whole philosophy that I've like kind of built scribble on, you know, there's times that I have to step yeah. back because, you know, I have to break those, you know, cycles that I'm used to being in of like, no, you do what I say, you know, like I have to break that and kind of let them be creative. Let them really like show us their world. Like, let me get yeah. into your world. And that's going to help me connect to them better. It's going to help me, you know, discipline when I need to and then mm-hmm. listen to them better. And that's really just kind of like a overarching philosophy that I try to do my best on a daily (laughs) basis, try to, you know, parent from that space. And so, um, and I think, again, that's, I don't know it all. That's not, that's not, um, I'm not saying that's like the universal answer for how to like raise these these (laughs) kids or anything like that. But I feel (laughs) that is a general foundational type of, um, practice that you can put in place to help yeah kids be you know more confident and think for themselves and those type of things that I think are just really important to you know not just serve you as parents to you know create these compliant children but also for them <laughs> you know they go out into the world yeah I agree and like the more complex our world gets the more complex that they're going to need to think and you know the less mm-hmm. barriers that we can put on that the better you know like if and and some people don't agree with this and i i think that's fine they're entitled to their opinion but like my i grew up in a family where my husband or my my dad um he was he was a chef like my dad was a chef and so a lot of households you know the mom usually cooks or you know whatever and so it was just natural for me to have my son have a kitchen you know when mm-hmm. he was a kid like really young like old enough to walk and just as important as it was for him to have a ball or a car and you know, not everybody agrees with that, but that's kind of, you know, my perspective on it. And I feel like, you know, the more we allow them to be creative and, and try all things as opposed to the things that we want them to try is super important for sure. I love that so much. And that's exactly why, yeah, that's exactly why I, you know, am doing scribble and thought about it the way I did. And I think that's so true. Like, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that you're, um, letting him flourish in that way. If he has an interest in cooking, he could be one of the best chefs in the world. And he right? not. It's Why okay. Why can't he explore that? Why can't yeah. he explore that interest without being like, no, only women are supposed to cook. I totally, I, I get what you mean. And I think that's, you know, when I talk about breaking down those stereotypes, that's mm-hmm. what I want to, you know, that's what I want to do. And so when I launch kind of all of the messaging and all of the, um, you know, just kind of marketing around, scribble will be kind of celebrating those type of things awesome well i'm excited for that time um to come out i'll definitely be purchasing some things but um do you have a timeline for when when it'll be a launching yeah this fall like around holiday season is the plan that's perfect timing (laughs) i know trying to get all that christmas money right yes and you Uh know you know, people love like a good, a new good brand that they can stick behind and, you know, stick the holidays in there and you got a girl. <laughs> yeah, so That's the plan. So I'm excited. It's definitely keeping me busy and um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. But that was the very, very, very long answer to your question about <laughs> what, I, what I do career wise. <laughs> 
No, but I love the answer because you, it wasn't just like, you know, this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 whatever. Like you, it means something to you. Right. And you're doing it. I guess a good way to put it is you can have your cake and eat it too, in a sense of, you know, you can be a great mom, you can be a great wife and support Tim and his career and everything, but like you're flourishing in your own way too. And you're passionate about it. You know, you're not just having to, you know, clock in nine to five. Oh, I've got to do this. You know, like you're doing something that means something to you. That means something to other people and hearing you talk about it just makes me excited for you and like ready to help cheer you on. Like that makes me super excited. (laughs) Oh, thank you, girl. No, I appreciate that. I think that's, I really do. That, that really means a lot. I feel like, um, not just, you know, to celebrate what I'm doing or anything, but because it is very, uh, mission-based, passion-based, and mm-hmm. to hear you understand it, like, it makes me feel like I'm doing, I'm on the right track with kind of sharing what the vision is. Um, I should say yeah. it's vision-based. And so <laughs> to hear that you under, you know, you understand it. Because sometimes, I mean, honestly, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, what am I doing? Some days I wake up so <laughs> motivated and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is so dumb. Nobody cares about scribble. <laughs> but then there's that piece of me that knows that like, no, like I do not want to live the rest of my life regretting. What if I tried that? What if I launched it? What if I got to that point where I put it out there, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, it's been a journey and it's been a lot of um, ups and downs and obstacles and setbacks and just unexpected things and learning, learning more than <laughs> anything. Cause I went into it just with an idea and just trying to find the help that I needed. So, you know, trying this industry along the way because while I do work in fashion a little bit with the leotard stuff that's very niche um, mm-hmm. anyway I say, say thank you thank you for the kind words I really do appreciate it and it helps me keep motivated so maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll wake up and keep going <laughs> <laughs> well that's good to know I mean I feel like we have to support each other in this you know whether it's you know we're just kind words to one another or you know whenever the brand does launch you know buying each other's clothes and things like that you know I totally feel like if we are in this life like we should do it together so I think community is so important to me yeah. I think community is just like it it helps I mean and we you know just to kind of why you do this podcast for coaches wives or spouses of, co- of coaches is to create that community and know that like you're not alone we understand and we're here for you and I think it's just so important that like people know that I think it's so important for people to know they have a safety net a safe and um people that just understand and get it you know I have some of my best friends that don't fully understand this life and that that doesn't mean you can't you know talk to them about it or anything like that but they just another coach's wife or coach's spouse is just going to get it. And I don't, I don't have to explain it. And, um, and so I think, you know, that sense of community is um, extremely important. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, you know, it's great to have friends that, you know, your friends outside of, you know, this life and this world or whatever you want to call it, but like, you know, having your network and your, in your circle of, of, people that do understand it, I think is definitely super helpful. And I've every, I feel like every year that we, that my husband is like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. Cause I'm not going to lie. There are days where I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, there's so many other things that you can do in life, but, um, you know, every year that he decides that, you know, this is, this is what he wants and he's still on the right path of wanting to be a head coach as well. You know, like, I'm able to remember like that community is very important and um, growing that community is important to me too. So I appreciate, you know, you being a part of the podcast and just kind of, you know, telling your story and showing that, you know, there's all sorts of different types of people that are able to make it work and you're, you're still able to have a happy, successful, you know, career, family, all that stuff. So I love hearing about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful you asked me. <laughs> I don't always feel like I have 
much to share or that I'm like that important. I'm just another person that's, you know, doing this whole coach's wife journey, but I appreciate you. (laughs) And again, I love that you're even doing this. I think it's, I think it's so important. And I hope that everybody, um, any coach's wife, no matter what stage gets a chance to listen to it and and see the work you're doing, because I think it is so important. Well, thank you. Well, I guess on that note, advice for anyone, whether it's like, someone who is like dating a coach or like in the beginning stages and just kind of getting frustrated, um, being in the thick of everything. Yeah. Okay. So advice, I feel like advice is always so hard. It is, isn't it? I know. But, or like, even just like, like a little tidbit or anything like that you want to say, or that like, if, if I were coming to you, Morgan, like I'm really having a hard time dealing with this whole recruiting stuff. Like, do you have any like words of wisdom or encouraging words that you can yeah yeah I think um one of the biggest things is just I think what I've had to learn personally is be adaptable like Mm. you can't have um a picture of what this looks like yeah I mean I think that's life in general and I think it's easy to say that because even when you do live like a life that is semi-predictable you know you're not you know you're you you may be in a um you know, uh, uh, an industry that doesn't require you to move. And you know that you're, you're, you're still living in the same place you went to high school and you know, you're going to be there while you know, where your kids are going to go to school for through high school. And ability is, you know, normal in this industry. And, and so, so while, you know, be adaptable is I think kind of like a, a life key I think it's really important in this coaching industry because you really just you you can be um there one day and and somewhere else next and that could look like a winning season and having an opportunity to move it could look like a losing season and you're getting fired and you're looking for another job and you don't know where you're going to be um all while you know possibly balancing kids and um or just other things that happen in your life having to do with the you know sports world or coaching um Mm -hmm. um, and and life just lives you know and so I think (laughs) it's important to you know not put a label on what this is not put a picture in your head of what it looks like and just commit to it commit to the journey commit to the mess of it but also the beauty of it and just take it a day at a time I love it. I love all of it. And I'm so thankful for you and for your journey and for you sharing your journey with us. Um, You know, it's really helpful for me too. And like, I I know I've mentioned to you and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but you know, I, in a way selfishly did this starting off to help myself, but in also in turn to help other people that like need encouragement and everything. So just listening to you, and being able to vibe with what you're going through and everything, like, I, I really appreciate it. So I appreciate the time that you took away from your family for me. And um, I hope somebody else can uh, benefit from this conversation also. Absolutely. You're so sweet. I've- oh, you're so sweet, too. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. We had a lot of great time, and I appreciate it. And I guess that wraps it up.